Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stay Strong in America podcast. I am your host, Tyron Brown, here for another episode of our Mindful Mondays. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're driving, please keep your eyes on the road, but also your ears wide open. And if you happen to be at your house or a friend's place or a coffee shop, feel free to take out a notepad and jot down some notes because our message today is definitely going to be one for the books. So stay tuned. So let's get right to it, guys. Our episode for today is called, Who is Your Leader? Now, many of you may be thinking, what do I even mean by leader? Leader of what? Well, that word can have a loose interpretation, all right? We have leaders of a country, leaders of a state, leaders of a city or town, like politicians, leaders of Fortune 500 companies, aka CEOs, leaders on a construction site, leaders of a sports team or captain, leaders within our friend group, whether good or bad, so there's ringleaders out there, and leaders within our household, aka our parents. The point is, we have leaders in many different aspects of our lives, and it is up to us who we choose or must accept as our leaders because we are going to have to follow said individuals, except in certain circumstances where you have no control, such as who you're born to, aka your parents. But many of us from experience know that we follow people that led us on the wrong path. And therefore, I have a point I just want to emphasize, all right? And that is who you accept as your leader, you must accept the good and bad with that individual or individuals. In other words, it is up to you to apply logic and discernment to your interactions with any person to make sure that the path they are leading you on is a path you're okay with. Now, that might not necessarily be a righteous path, but you are at least aware and willing to accept the repercussions of such a decision. But before I go any further, I think it would be helpful for us to review the definition of the word leader. Now, I did a Google search of the word leader, and there was a couple of definitions that came up. But this one I found here um, through Marion's Dictionary is a person who rules or guides or inspires others. All right. So and I like that definition because it's three different ways to interpret it. Right. If you're ruling, you're a dictatorship and you may be like an enforcer. That's how sometimes people lead. When you're a guide, you kind of like you could be instructional and show people how to go about things, you know. So if you're on a job and somebody doesn't know how to navigate a job site or job duties, you could help them navigate by providing them with instructions. And then the aspires others, I think, is great because that's all encompassing because that transcends um, the, the, the very definition of leadership in terms of you don't just, you know, tell somebody what to do, where to go or about the rules, but you inspire them. You get them to become a leader on their own. All right. And I want you to keep that in mind because, you know, for our mindful Mondays, I think the one thing that I was doing a lot, I was providing certain um, advice and input and observations that I felt were worthwhile and you should pay attention to and take into consideration when interacting with others and dealing with yourself. But the one thing I forget is that a lot of times our decisions are really coming from a place where we're getting information from other people. So sometimes the major decisions we make in our lives is really not on our own. We do seek counsel, you know? So I think it's important to know that we are being led by other people in certain circumstances, but what impact does that have on you? And a lot of times we've had leadership in our lives at times 
we weren't even aware of it. Like we even consider like being a parent as a leader, like that is a, a one of the first forms of leadership that you encounter aside from like your teacher. So I would say keep that in mind. And because we're going to touch on a few things here today, that's going to make you think about, wow, I have leaders in different aspects of my life and I need to be mindful of all of them. Why? Because they all have an impact on you. All right. So the first leadership I like to discuss is parental leadership. Like who ran or runs the household in which you were raised or being raised in? Because that basically was the first leadership you saw as a child, guys. All right. Like, how did your parents raise you? You need to really question that. And here are just a few questions to think about. Were they loose or strict in their doctrine? Like, you have to follow these rules. Or were they like, mm, it is what it is. Were you reprimanded if you misbehave and to what extent? Meaning, did your parents whoop your ass or, or not? And what the, or were they too severe in their punishment? Or did it ground you just how to go to your room? Or were they more like hands off? And then a follow up. Did your parents trust the importance of goals or were they more laid back in their approach? You know, what's interesting is that I was uh, um, I was reading this book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. I'm pretty sure many of you have heard of that book. Right. Um, and one thing she talks about is parenting styles associated with grit. All right. Now, grit relates to your ability to overcome adversity and achieve your gro- your goals by any respectable means necessary. So. Excuse me. The one thing Angela Duckworth points out is that there are parents who desire to instill grit in their child because grit is something we need to have throughout our lives when the going gets tough or we want to achieve or exceed our goals. It's just something it's an element that many of us need. And to be quite quite honest, a lot of us who grew up in the hood, who grew up in the struggle, didn't have much, a.k.a. a lot of minorities in the United States of America and people who came from immigrant families. We kind of already know what that is. All right. But. You know, she does have a point, Angela Duckworth, in terms of her research about the parenting styles. And she she states basically there are four parent, parents, parenting styles when it comes to grit. So think about these four types and how it applied to your household or whether it did or not. And the one thing I want you to note is that sometimes these things change over time, the parenting styles. So I don't think that is stationary. All right. But the first one is demanding, but not supportive. So this means you expect a lot from your child, but do not follow through with support. These are parents that make you study all day, but give you no incentive like playtime, toys, take you on trips, buying you candy, you know, take you to McDonald's because that was a huge thing when you were younger, pizza, etc. These are parents that tell you to go hard at a basketball, soccer or volleyball practice um, or go and, and, and succeed at the game, but they never come to a game you know, or performance, even when they have a spare weekend. So it's just like, it's kind of like somebody asking for too much, but not give you any reasons. Like you're on a job and they keep adding more and more responsibilities, but they're not increasing your paycheck. Why would someone want to do something if they're not feeling like they're being supported or being rewarded? So it's just like to no, no avail. But those parents exist. And sometimes our parents do that, you know, then there's the not demanding, but supportive parents. So you do not expect or demand much from your child, right? They didn't expect or demand much from you, but will love you regardless and embrace um, your actions the same. And, you, and, and they tend to be softer and they coddle you when you were a child, perhaps because they wanted you, they want to have a better relationship um, with their child. But this can backfire when your child does not have the sense of urgency 
to move out the house or get a job or pursue higher education of any sort. They don't want to go to trade school. They don't want to do anything to create income. So this what happens is that, okay, they got the support part down, but they're not demanding. So they're not setting any standards for you. Like, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. And then that's why you have certain families, you know, where they have children and they're like, my child doesn't want to work hard. And it's because you were working so hard to, to protect the children from the world that they didn't know how to fight on their own. You know, and you show them that support and love, which is great. So they know they're loved. But sometimes you need to be that parent. You need to demand something of them because the world's going to demand something of them. You know, they can't just purely exist and be able to like survive on their own. You know, I think Mike Tyson was saying in, in his podcast that we want to stop our children from going through struggles. And it's like, you can't really do that. You shouldn't. Because how are they going to build any kind of resilience if they don't go through any form of struggle? You know, and so and, and when you're demanding, I feel like it's like you might call it artificial struggle, but I feel like it's essentially they have obstacles because you're demanding something of them. You're setting a standard. So they have a goal to work towards. And that's the thing we want them to be able to do is knowing that there's pressure against them sometimes or there's demand coming their way and therefore expectations are set and they must meet expectations. You know, supporting your child is great. But if you're not going to demand anything of them, then what even like, you know, the support is like. The support isn't utilized to the extent that it could be. All right. So if your parent was that and you turn on a certain way, just keep that in mind. Then we have the not demanding and not supportive parent. All right. So you, honestly, this person may be may, maybe neglected you, you as a child in certain respects, at least from like a social, socio emotional perspective, because. They didn't encourage you to have goals. And even if the child, like you did have goals, you would they would not allocate time and energy towards your needs. And children need to be led. But some parents forget this aspect of parenting in general. So it's just like, oh, you basically have a child fending for themselves. You know, like you're not demanding, expecting anything of them. Um, and then you're also not supporting them, right? Like you, you, it's like, oh, you're indifferent almost. And this may happen in certain households where parents were on drugs, to be honest with you. So that's just a reality to keep in mind, okay? Um, so take a take a second and reflect on that. And it doesn't have to be something as serious, like I said, as the parents being on drugs, but it could just be that they were very passive for whatever reason. But like I said, keep that in mind and use this time to reflect. Now, the last parenting style in terms of grit is demanding and supportive. Now, this approach, this approach is ideal for building grit, you know, and that would have been a way to instill grit within you because be, being demanding can let the child know we expect great things from them. But the supportive part is showing them how to achieve those great things and that, well, you know, you're their emotional safety net. You know, unfortunately, many parents think they are parenting for grit by being demanding, but they are not as supportive, you know, but, but that's because things change over time, guys. Like, you know, they may have been demanding and supportive when you were like in, in kindergarten, first grade. But after a while, life takes a toll on them and they may demand certain things, but the support goes missing. But for those who have a demanding and supportive parent, I think of like the the, the, the Ball brothers, how LeVar Ball raised them. He was demanding. Right. But, you know, him and his, his wife, um, Tina, were demanding of uh, um Leangelo, Lamelo, and Lonzo Ball, but 
not only were they demanding, they were supportive of them. Do you see that the mother and father is involved in everything? LeVar is, is you know, just making, just, you know, put on a great reputation for black men all over the world, in my opinion. Because, and honestly, we all know there's been great black fathers out there, but the fact that he's highlighted in, in that light, or at least was, amazing. And look what happened there they're in the NBA. And Joe's going to get there. I really believe that. But that's because they had that demanding and supportive parent. So if your parent wasn't that for you, maybe you could be that for, for your child. But these are just different styles. And to think about that in terms of grit, how your parents were. Because I feel like grit was a great measure for how they chose to raise you and how involved they chose to be as well. Now, ask yourselves, were your parents not only demanding but also supportive of the goals you set for yourself or that they set for you? Because if not, they were a partial leader. And right then and there, you learn to jump over hoops for someone else, a.k.a. your parents, without them necessarily giving you the proper reciprocation. So think about how that affects your psychology. They're demanding all these things for you and you're doing it for them, but they didn't, they're not being supportive. So you just learn how to give and give, give to someone without getting much in return. Now, a lot of our parents may have been demanding and supportive, but sometimes our parents fall off at a certain age because of whatever personal issues they have going on, such as a divorce or marital issues. Death of a loved one is the big one, too. They could have lost a parent. They could have had a health crisis where they, they probably caught an illness or cancer, you know, something of that nature. And, or they could experience their own mental health uh, breakdown, depression. I've known of people who have experienced things of that nature, and it really does shake them. But that's, that does not take away from the fact that we are still under their leadership. So even when they go through these experiences, we're still under their leadership. So think about how this may have affected you while growing up, okay? And to continue with the parenting, there's two more things I want to state. The first thing, now there are a few more aspects of parental leadership I want you all to consider, which is, were you raised in a single or two-parent household? All right. Because with a single parent household, you only have one perspective to consider. Meanwhile, with two parents, you have two perspectives to consider. When you are a child, you may not think to question your parents because this is all you know. So if you only have one person's point of view to rely on, then you may not know what it is to have another idea of how things go. But when you have two parents, it can happen as well, depending on the relationship between both parents and whether there was a respected leader such as your father. So the point I'm trying to make is the fact that the being raised in a certain household sometimes could start to shape your perspective. They are leading you, and you're starting, you're starting to see, like, okay, this is how things are supposed to get done. Now, me growing up with just my mom, there's a lot of pressure on her, right? And someone may have grown up with just their dad. I had a friend who grew up with just his dad. It's a different kind of pressure and different kind of outlook on life, right? Different kind of emotions with a man versus a woman. And I hate to stereotype, but that's sometimes just what it is, you know? Um... And, and and so like, you know, me being raised around, you know, you know, when you raise around like um, a mom versus dad, there's sometimes like um, it's like differences in how they choose to approach things, which is going to go to my next and final point. So. Last but not least, to emphasize the point just made. Right. If you were led by a man versus being led by a woman. Right. In terms of like parental leadership, things look a lot different when you approach the world. 
And when I say that, I say it from the, pers from the perspective of even a two-parent household, because usually there's a leader who is designated and you learn to follow that one leader, right? Even though you know there's another one in there. Then as you get older or go into spaces, it can affect how you treat said, uh, treat said individuals of those genders. That's why you have some men more comfortable with a woman leading him in a relationship and women being more comfortable having a man who leads her because she or he wants to model what they were raised seeing. Clearly, this rolls over into your relationships with others, which we'll touch on in a bit. But use this time to think about what your parental leadership looked like growing up as a child and the impact it had on you. All right, think about it. What, what were you being led by in terms of what it is to to be um, to have parents? And what were the values they were teaching you? What was your experience with them? So the next type of leadership I like to talk about is actually a cheerleader. All right. Now, this is not necessarily a cheerleader, although that can definitely work. But this is the person who encourages you to keep going when shit gets tough. They're the one who's cheering you on, the one who's providing motivation to you. So I want you to think about who is that leader for you. And I'm just going to name a few uh, individuals who can possibly fit that role. And the first being a parent. And that's what I'm talking about, the demanding but supportive parent. They may be demanding of you, right? But if they're supportive of you, they're going to be the ones to push you, all right? And push you when things get really, really tough, where you feel like you have no way out, where you feel like you know your back is against the wall. If you have the demanding and supportive parent, they're going to be the ones who is going to make sure that you get up off the ground. And the reason why I say the demanding and supportive parent and not just supportive is because if you're supportive, you're like, oh, you're going to let that person do whatever you, they feel is right if you're not demanding, right? Like they're like, oh, you want to sleep all day? Go ahead and do that. But no, a cheerleader's like, all right, I know you're upset that you lost the game, all right? Or I know you're upset that you got dumped by this person, and but you got to go out there and you got to enjoy prom. Or you got to go out there, you got to still play this game. Or the next game, they're the ones. They're gonna demand that of you. They're gonna set expectations and tell you, "Hey, you gotta get up, dust yourself off." They're gonna hold you accountable, and but at the same time, they're gonna be pushing you on and reminding you of your strengths. You know, and then you, when you have a parent that doesn't do that, it's like the child is, is left like directionless, and, and a lot of people have to figure things out for themselves, and they shouldn't have to do that. But that's just a reality that they have to face. The next one. That could possibly be uh, a cheerleader is a family member. It could be a like outside of your parents. It could be possibly a sibling or uh, extended family. You know, usually extended family could be very helpful because, um, like an aunt, for example, they she might be the one to really be pushing you. I noticed that because they have an outsized perspective. They recognize your family. But they're seeing things from the outside, and I know that like I have certain family members, like I have my uncle. You know, he's on the outside, so I I could he I could take his perspective on certain things when he tells me certain things like, oh wow, like it's insightful. And it's like an unbiased opinion because they're on like I said, they're on the outside. So um never underestimate those that um like aunts and uncles, you know, cousins. Like one of my cousins, I talk to her a lot. She's great, she's lovely. Those are extended family members that can push you when no one else uh can. And they can reach to you in a different way and they can understand you at a different level. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and it just basically sometimes 
you may seek you should seek that leadership sometimes outside of your immediate family and go to those extended family members. But I'm just bringing up different individuals for you to reflect and think about it, you know, but it's nothing like a parent doing it. I would say this because that parent is somebody you're going to be putting trust in and you're supposed to you're supposed to see them more often than any other person. Right. Even if they're working a lot, they still come to the same home as you, assuming that you live together. Right. Now, the next one is could be a best friend or a close friend. Do you have somebody that's the one who's pushing you on, egging you on when shit gets tough? The one who's like, oh, I just lost my job. And, you know, you could tell them, you know, that they're going to tell you the things to get you up off the ground. Friends are really important for that. They are the ones who are going to have your back. They're basically like your chosen family. All right. Because your family you're born with, but with friends, you choose them. You choose to disclose secrets with them and choose to discuss your deepest, darkest fears. And if you don't have a close friend you could do that with, I suggest you probably find a new friend group. And that doesn't mean you could, you're supposed to drop those friends, but find someone where you can open up to like that. But reflect on it and think about it. If you have a close friend or that you can discuss, that's going to help you get up off the ground when things get tough. Think about if they've done that for you, because I think that's an important aspect of friendship is that cheerleader. Your friends are your cheerleaders. All right. Men and women alike, they are your cheerleaders. The next could be a significant other. All right. Now, this could be tricky because if, if you start having relationship issues, then that cheerleader might not necessarily be present anymore. But I know that when you build a strong bond with the person you're dating and you guys fall in love and or the relationship gets serious, whatever the case may be, that person will have your back like no one else, honestly, because they have a vested interest. If you come home upset and or you come home down and out, they have a vested interest because they don't want to see you like that. It affects your relationship. So best believe that this person, your significant other, assuming that it's not problems with them, they're going to be your number one cheerleader, perhaps. Okay? They're going to be out there looking out for you, making sure you're good, making sure you're good before you walk through the door. You know, and then there's teachers or professors for that matter. They sometimes can see things that other people can't, you know, especially at times when you were growing up. They're the ones who, you know, you could get vulnerable with or they see you at a vulnerable space. And they decide to lend you a shoulder for you to cry on. Or an ear to listen to. You understand? So, teachers and professors, those could be cheerleaders as well, too. Because they understand you. And they, I know that if I go back to my old school district, these teachers, they would know me and my mom, family. because And they would remind me of, of my strengths. Like, hey, Tyron, you got to keep going. Never give up. I just graduated with just an English degree. But they were like, you could do more. And you could leverage that to your benefit. And I know you worked hard, so congratulations. They were some of the only people that really understood, you know, what I've been through. But they knew what it was because they were aware of the environment we grew up in, even when we weren't. Okay, so teachers are amazing cheerleaders. You might have a mentor. All right. I think a mentor is great. As you get older, it's great to have a mentor, especially for career advice. And just life advice in general. Honestly, not just career, life advice in general. Because life is still going on even when you're working. All right? And, you know, mentorship is great because they're the ones who are going to have your back too. They might be that parent that you always wanted if your parent wasn't like that. 
You know, they're sometimes the one who tell you, hey, go try it for this school. You know, go try it with this and get a scholarship. And you might find mentorship within different kinds of different men or different women or different people who have more experience than you do in a certain area. But um, the point is, like, uh, the mentorship can happen, can occur in multiple uh, through multiple avenues. You know, you might have like several mentors. Right. You might get it from your parent and a family member. It's just different people around you. Right. But if you have a designated mentor who you could reach out to, it's amazing. All right. The next thing is an athletic coach, which a lot of them are mentors as well, too. They step out of that space. Great. I had a my track coach from high school. He was very motivating and it's still strength within me when things got tough and told me to keep going, push harder. And he, when he wasn't my track coach no more, I could see the impact it did have because I didn't have that extra motivation. All right, so think about any athletic coach you had. And then finally, a coworker or a supervisor. Sometimes people just cheer you on because they know you're a good person and they see you working. They see you working hard and you're focused and you're locked in. And therefore, they could be your number one cheerleaders. Co-workers and supervisors, they could be number one cheerleaders. They want to see you succeed and do well because it's just an innocent relationship they they formed with you and they have respect for you and what you do for whatever company you guys work for or just in general how you are. So just think about the cheerleaders you have in your life or don't have in your life or what you expect them or the ones you expect to be cheerleaders for you because you might find out that your best friend or close friend isn't necessarily a cheerleader. So... Keep that in mind, and then we'll go into our next point now. And so our next form of leadership that I'd like for you to consider is your accountability leader. Who holds you accountable and tells you what you need to hear and not what you want? That's This one is huge, guys. You're going to find there's a lot of people who are yes men and yes women, all right? They don't necessarily, they're pretty much indifferent about whatever decisions you make, even if it's going to cost you something major. But those people that not only care, but hold you accountable to what you say, mm, those come far and few between. And I'll tell you the four individuals who can be your accountability leader. The first one is you. <laughs> All right. I know that may come surprising, but sometimes only you can hold yourself accountable because only you know how much of a goal or how important of a goal, uh, how important a goal is for you. There are certain people who may not have known how interested I was in this podcast. And so they don't want to steal my passion. And I can't be mad at someone for that. Just this is something I know within me. So I'm holding myself accountable to make sure I do this thing every night. I said I'm going to do it. And if I'm late, I apologize and I push it out the next day. But sometimes it's only you who can hold you accountable because only you know how hungry you are to basically, you know, uh, hold yourself to a certain standard for whatever that reason may be. So think about that. Think about that for a second and, and, and give yourself credit for holding yourself accountable when no one else would. All right. Next one in terms of accountability leader, and I only have four. You were the first one. The next one is a friend. All right. If you have like a close friend who you really have that relationship with, they're going to hold you accountable. They're going to be like, yo, Ty, you know, bro, you say you're going to do this last week. Why didn't you do it? And they're going to be the ones who are going to call you out on your bullshit when you're not hitting your goals. So if you have a friend and there's somebody who, who's going to cheer you on, but they don't hold you accountable, then what is that friend really doing? 
you know, if you have friends around you, they don't, they don't hold you accountable to your actions. They will mess up. They will allow you to mess up other aspects of your life and not really care. And would you want that as a friend? All right. So if you're a friend and you're holding and they're holding you accountable, a great sign of that friendship because they want you to be the best version of yourself. The next one um, uh, in terms of accountability leader is your parents. All right. Now, I know it gets to a point you don't want to tell your parents everything because they're going to hold you too accountable and sometimes annoy you. But a parent who wants you to succeed, they're going to hold you accountable and say, hey, you could do great. You could do this. You could do that. You could change that. You know, and and they're supportive. All right. Like a parent holding you accountable is somebody who wants to fall they they want to do they want to make sure that you follow through with your actions that's what that means okay and the next and finally the last one is the a sibling or other relative they're sometimes the one who can be like no you should do this you should do that and if they're a good sibling sometimes it's because they're a lot older and they've been through the ringer they're gonna hold you accountable because they want you to be great you're like especially if you're like a younger sibling you're like their little child <laughs> Assuming they don't have any children, they want you to do great because they've been through it and they know what it takes. So they're going to hold you accountable to that. Or another family member who's going to be like, hey, when you say you can do X, Y, and Z, accountable, accountability leaders around you, you have to have them and you got to thank them because they're the ones who are going to keep you um, on track when everything else around you is falling apart. So don't underestimate that and reflect on who is your accountability leader? And if you don't have one, then you need to get one because it can't be you if you feel like you need one, but don't have an account. Um, if you feel like you need an accountability leader in the first place. So think on it, assess your situation and say, and say to yourself, who is going to tell me what I need to hear and not what I want? All right. And so the next type of leadership I'd like for you to consider is the chill leader, not cheerleader. It sounds similar, but it's the chill leader. So this is the person who reminds you to relax when you are putting too much pressure on yourself. All right. I know I have a habit of doing that. And maybe because something with the zodiac sign and my moon sign of a Virgo and all the other stuff. But that's another uh, conversation for another day. But I, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I want to do great things. And it sometimes throws me off um, or it just puts me in a funk that kind of like rubs people the wrong way because my normal jovial energy isn't reflected. So the person, the people that are going to notice it are people like your friends. And I put that one first because your friends are the ones who you let out more of yourself with. All right. You you kick it with them. You hang with them. And they're, they're people that you socialize with and you go out and about places. So they're going to be the ones to notice like, yo, bro, you are so uptight. Or they might say to, you know, you ladies might speak to each other like, girl, you are you are just doing too much right now. Like you need to relax. And and they, they're going to prioritize you relaxing. Why? Because sometimes it throws off the energy when they want to have a good time. And they're going to want their friends when they're having a good time. But if you're always tense or um, just uptight. They're going to be like, yo, you need to relax. And rightfully so. So if you have friends that do that, that's great. That's what friends are for. People think that's the issue. It's like, no, sometimes friends are there to make you just 
get all the anxieties out your system, just make you just kick back and just relax. They're going to make, make, make you feel comfortable. Now, the thing is, you don't want to be around chill leaders all the time. You also want to get back to those accountable, that accountable leader because that's what's going to give you, you know, the, the push when you need it. All right. But aside from that, you have to learn how to, you know, work hard, but also play harder. Honestly, I believe in that. Work hard, put the work in, but play around, relax, kick it. You know, and your friends are going to see when you're not in the mood or anything. They're going to see it. They're going to see when you, when you just tense or just out of it. So be grateful if you have friends who, who encourage you to chill when you're doing, being too too up too uptight and putting too much pressure on yourself. Next one is a significant other. And this should be obvious. Your significant other is somebody who, I'll say it like this, they're having sex with you for the most part, right? If they if they're supposed to get affectionate with you and you can't relax for that time, it's, it's gonna be an issue. So they're gonna they trust me. They're gonna be all up in your business to make sure that you can learn how to relax, especially you men. All right, and allow them to do that sometimes. You be like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. And if they say you need to chill, listen, listen, and ask them if they seen something in you that other people didn't. And they'll tell you the truth because they're vested in your well-being. Your significant other typically will be vested in your well-being. The next chill leader is a parent. <laughs> so sometimes you have the serious parent, but also the parent who's very relaxed and like, yo, listen, just go out and have a good time. Because parents do not like to see their children under any stress and a lot of pressure. I know that from my mom. So sometimes they're the ones who 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 are going to see you just being tense and they want to take that pressure away. Or maybe they don't even say anything to you, but you observe them being chilled and relaxed and not giving a damn about so much stuff that you just pick up on their habits. All right. But the whole point is a chill leader of a parent, they just give you that ultimate reassurance that you're doing okay. All right. And then there's also like teammates, they could be chill leaders. They like this. People that you don't always hang out with, but you're like, they're like, hey, they have a good relationship rapport with you. You know, your teammates, you work alongside together as coworkers. They can help, too, because they might just be like, they might just take you out your element for uh, randomly. And finally, there's a random fellow clubber. Now, this person, you can meet a random fellow clubber who just like to party, jump up and down, drink. Those, I'll say be careful with that. Because they may not be invested in being holding you accountable to whatever goals you have, but they sometimes are great to have because it just it just opens up a whole new space for you mentally to just be free. All right. So these are examples of chill leaders. See which of these apply to you. If all, it is what it is. But you know, like I said, chill leaders are those who remind you to relax when you put too much pressure on yourself. So. Take time to reflect on this and see what applies to those around you. And so the next leader that I like to speak about is your faith based leader. So who reinforces your faith, whether that faith be spiritual, Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, Confucius. But who reinforces that faith within you? All right. Now, this one is very important to me because guys don't underestimate faith. All right. 
when the going gets tough and you can't rely on people, your faith is all you can rely on. And to that higher, you know, that higher self of yours, a lot of it comes from faith. All right. People try to like put faith in the box, but it really transcends so many things, you know, even in our secular lives. But in terms of those that introduce you to the faith and who reinforce it, consider that. Right. And the one I have first here listed is. No, it's not. And then no, it's not God, because, you know, when you're a child, you're not even you might not even be thinking about that. You have to be taught that. So the first person is your parent, guys. You notice how parents pop up in all these sections. Your parents can be involved in a lot of aspects of your life. For a faith based leader, your parents are sometimes the one that first introduced you to the Bible or introduce you to the Quran or introduce you to the Torah, you know, or introduce you to Buddhist practices. All right. Um, or Confucius beliefs, or the one who's just like they didn't necessarily study a particular faith, but they're spiritual in certain respects. Guys, you have to think about that. They're the ones who started off, and 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 see what it's done for you. Sometimes when you think about it, your parents the first one to put a Bible in your hand, and I'm saying Bible. I apologize if I'm, you know, just talking about things related to you know Christianity, but that's how I grew up. My mom would, or your sometimes your parents don't even necessarily put any kind of you know religious texts in your hand. Sometimes they just say verses out loud. Like when my mom ever got upset, she would always reference the Bible. You know, he said, the Lord said, you shall honor your mother and your father so that thy days will be long. Every time she gets angry, you know what I'm saying? But that is her reinforcing faith. And you'd be surprised how much that takes over your life when the going gets tough, when you feel down and out. I know it's happened with me. And, you know, that really can save your life or just change your perspective when you leave when you're living a reckless life and then sometimes your parents are literally involved in church like literally they might be a pastor or a minister um so they or they play a role with interest they're usher they're playing the band at church um or they're just they go to church on a consistent enough basis and they bring you alongside and next you know you're going on your own but your parents started that foundation for you so Keep the, you know, keep the faith, and but also check in with that parent. And and maybe you need to have a follow-up conversation, but also see, like, you know, sometimes your parents may introduce you to something, but they're not following through. So maybe you might have to question how involved and connected you are to that faith. Is it because of the parents and what they started you off with? Or did you transcend what your parents told you to do and you did it, you're doing it for yourself? So that's why I say, who's your faith-based leader? Because you have your faith, but how you got there? And and are you leading yourself now as, as opposed to relying on a parent? The next one could be a pastor, right? When you're having doubts about your faith and you need things reinforced, a pastor's right there. And they may just send you like one of my, uh, um, somebody I know and they're involved in the church, they would just send me texts, religious texts all the time. You know, um, so that could be really, really helpful. And they could be the ones who could be your leader. They could lead you in that direction. They could guide you when you're feeling lost. Next thing is the Bible study family. Now, I studied with um, these two individuals, a husband and wife, actually. And they were practicing Jehovah Witnesses. And I just said, okay, I'm open to learning about the Bible. Like, they knocked on my door. I let them in. They were cool. You know, I'm not going to always be like, oh, you know, I don't want nobody coming in my house. 
listen, and they were two, you know, they were both black. I'm like, if they want to come in and teach me about the Bible, I'm not going to say no. And it helped me in many respects. And um, the gentleman, he still checks in with me sometimes. So actually, I think I'm going to reach out to him. But sometimes they're the ones who teach you the things to, so you can understand the faith. I really don't understand the Bible to the extent that I do now because of, and without their leadership, them guiding me, right? And not just telling me, but really guiding me, showing me how to go about it. It really helped a lot. I did. So consider that in terms of like, if you had like a, like a little, not even just a Bible study feeling, but a small little network of people who believe in a particular faith and if that impacted you. And sometimes people that impact you, they not may not necessarily be of the same faith. They may be of a different faith, but the way, they, the way they're speaking so passionate about this can influence you. And then finally, there's also the celebrity figure. Sometimes we might get back into our faith because we look up to a celebrity and um, they basically are practicing a certain faith and like, oh, wow, you know, kind of like how... Um, Sierra brings up Christianity, right? And getting closer with God, that can inspire a lot of people who are having doubts in their faith. And not just because of the outcome of getting like a, a husband like Russell Wilson, but just how it changed her mindset from how she chose to date and approach life and really question her lifestyle. All right. But also a faith-based leader might literally be a celebrity who's involved in the faith, like T.D. Jakes. I have one of his books. Very, like, very impactful stuff that he does, you know. But just be mindful of who's leading you, like, because if they're really leading you and they're there to reinforce the faith, and do they have the commitment, the time commitment to do so? Because if they don't, eventually you have to be the one who can lead yourself, right? But in terms of reinforcing it, yeah, you still want to, you might want to rely on one of these people, but identifying them and what they're capable to contribute is the first step in anything. All right. So that's your faith based faith based leadership, guys. Consider those different people. And you might have someone else in mind. All right. You honestly might have someone else in mind who encourages you to have faith. So just think on it and be appreciative of it. All right. Now, here comes a leadership style that many of you probably have been waiting for. And that is your relational leader. Now, you might be wondering, what is that? That's who leads your romantic relationships, all right? This one is big because a lot of people think they have control over this. Like, it's me, it's me, and sometimes it's not. But it may be you, all right? So that's, so that's the first option, right, is you. Some people are just, they go off the walls. They choose to date whoever they want to date. They're not having anybody interfere with it. Not to say that they're not influenced by other people. They may, may be influenced by who they saw in a relationship, like their parents, or you know, they may have seen something on TV. But the whole point is they're the ones who are just like making decisions and they're doing it solely by themselves. All right. They're like, I'm going to go after what I really want for me and me only, which I think happens when you get a lot older, to be honest with you, and more, much more mature. Um, but for there are certain people who are, I think mature at a younger age and really want, really would like to make decisions for themselves. So they do that, you know, so it might be you who's leading your romantic relationship and just going about it with your own leadership, but it's also you. So are you a perfect person? No, and no one is, no leader is, but do you think that you're the right person to be leading a romantic relationship? You know, leading your decisions to, towards getting one because you might not necessarily be the, you know, the the one who can lead that relationship, you know? So it's, you, you lead in a couple of different ways with the relationship. 
you lead in terms of you making a choice to get in a relationship and then how the relationship grows over time. So when you're in that relationship, you are someone, not saying that you are, but I'm asking, do you feel like you're that person who is really leading that relationship? And I know a lot of men, they want to lead, but they, they don't. All right. So that leads to my next individual in terms of leading that romantic relationship. And that is your significant other. So <laughs> your significant other is can be the one who's like, all right, when things are going a certain way, wayside, they're the ones who want to get things back on point. They're the ones you want to work things out with. All right. So when you when they're dealing with you, they're thinking of ways to make things work or for ways to, for things to end. But the whole point is you consider them their opinion and what they have to say about the relationship much more critically than a lot of other individuals. You value their thoughts. All right. Um, but the thing about it when it when it comes to a relationship and being being a relational leader in terms of romance and things of that nature is that it could get tricky because if you guys were to break up, that person or that person feels hurt, like, you know, maybe you cheated on them. They have no desire for you to have quality romantic relationships. Even after I break up, they don't even want to see you do well because they're hurt by it, you know. But I, this is my rebuttal to that. If you even if you were to break up, would you be left better than you were in ways that are tangible? All right. So a lot of people get led in a relationship and it makes and someone they're being led by someone, right? So let's say that you're the one who's leading your significant other, right? You're and I'm gonna use you're the guy in this case and she's the woman. You're leading her in terms of the relationship. My thing is if y'all break up and she was somebody who didn't have the right job she wanted, she was down and out. And you're the one who inspired her to get a job, go finish school, and you, she left in a better position. There shouldn't be any complaints. Because you were left a lot better than you were before. You know, not to say you won't be hurt if you guys break up, but just putting things in, into perspective. All right? Because... When you're being led in a relationship, sometimes people are being led and they're led to a place where there's nothing that comes to their benefit. Nothing. But so if you're a significant, uh, if you're, if you left your significant other or your significant other leaves you with something of value, that's something that's, or something that's tangible, you should not only consider that great, you know, relational leadership, but also that person to be a great human being. Now, the next person that could lead your romantic relationship. It could be parents, you know. So parents, like I said, they set an example. So that's part of their leadership in terms of what you see in the household. Um, but also they may be the ones who might throw their input. Like, I don't like this person. He's not good for you. She's not good for you. Because they have their own traumas. And they have their own experiences. And they want to be able to protect you. So it's understandable why they would feel that way, you know. Uh, but they, be careful of that because there are certain parents who didn't handle their traumas. And so somebody could remind them of someone that they used to date who did them no good. So there are certain women who tell their daughters, like, no, don't date him. He's no good for you. Or don't or, or don't believe in no man. 
Don't put your faith in no man. No. And certain dads tell their sons, yo, don't stay faithful to no woman. Just go out there and do whatever you have to do. But be careful because you have to look at how your parents turned out. Is it something that worked for them or worked against them? And sometimes your parents are the same thing as you sing. They may say things that are subtle and you, it just accumulates over time and you start to believe it. But also look at their actions. What example do you see for anything that would lead you to believe they can lead you in a romantic relationship? Having blind loyalty towards your parents could backfire against you, especially in terms of relational leadership. So keep that in mind. You know, um, the next thing is your friends. Your friends, okay, now, my thing is, are they really rooted for you in an objective way or are they subjective in a way that always favors you? You need, you need friends that's going to hold you accountable, right? So when you have a relationship problems, they're not trying to help you get prepared for, like, when things go wrong all the time. They're somebody, like, how you can you make things work, right? So if you have friends like that where they're, like, really supporting you, right? But they're also being fair in their, in their assessment and what they tell you. That's something you should be grateful for because that's people you could trust in terms of when you have a romantic relationship. They can understand that you want love, but they could also understand what love doesn't exist. Right? So your friends, be, be mindful of that too because certain friends, they're just negative and they want to see things go wrong. You know, because they don't have much going on. Like certain people are friends, are friends with people who are like all single and they're the only ones that's married. And it's like when you get in a relationship and then you become official and you get married, you know, you could still potentially have problems. And you want to be surrounded by friends who probably value the same thing you do, which is marriage. So think about your friends and how involved they are in your relational matters. And ask, and ask yourself, are they people that you feel like you can, you know, trust with your deepest thoughts, secrets, and thoughts around relationships or any insecurities, all right? And then finally, there's social media. And my God, I have to mention this because YouTube, TikTok, podcast influencers, not me, maybe me a little bit, but like, are you listening to notable social media influ influence for insight? Because this this can be helpful, but also dangerous. Because sometimes influences fall within within an agenda. Un sometimes you know this unintentionally, and they advocate, but they usually advocate for one gender over the other, and it can leave you with a limited like, with a limited and ultimate perspective on relationships. All right. So like, oh, if you see someone on social media them talking about romantic relationships, man, you shouldn't, man, you should pay for the dates all the time. You know, or woman, you should demand that he brings you to a nice restaurant. It's like the battle of the sex is going on. And that's the whole issue in itself. But the point I'm trying to make is the fact that certain people are, are looking at these people like they're their faith-based leader. At least when it comes to dating and romantic relationships and they believe everything they say. And it's like you have to live your life for yourself. You have to make decisions on your own. And everything is in black and white. There's a lot of gray area when it comes to people and when it comes to dating. So be mindful that you don't take everyone's advice as gospel because it might put you in a position where you're not living up to your higher self, as I said, guys. So keep that in mind and think about what your relational leadership is. And it leads you on a path where you want to be, which is do you want to be single or do you want to be married or do you want to be married with children?
And with that decision, when you answer that question, find out is your relational leader going to be someone's going to get you on the path or near that end goal. Okay. Now, finally, we have our last leader that you should consider, which is your counseling leader. All right. Now, this might be the most critical of all because you need to know who leads you when your mental health needs to be recalibrated. Guys, this is when you're most vulnerable, but also you need the most the most help and the proper kind of help. All right. And then seeing that it's month, mental health awareness month for May, guys, you can't play around with your counseling leadership. So who are the people that help you with your mental health when it needs to be recalibrated? Is it a you? All right. And honestly, I feel like if it's just you and I've heard people say I've canceled myself. Right. But it's too much of a burden. And counseling yourself may not necessarily help since you have your own perspective, you know, but it does work for some people. You know, and, and the thing about it is that, like, I've heard this before, that only you can really heal yourself. But my thing is you don't have to work through it alone and you should not. Because, like, put it like this. Let's say you can arrive to an answer, right, for something or arrive to a destination and you could drive there by yourself. But if you were to have somebody else in the car with you and they drove half the time, you guys would get there a lot quicker because you're not as tired and therefore you're not taking as much time. So that four four and a half hour trip turned to just three hours and 45 minutes. You know, and, and that's that, and that's my thing when it comes with counseling leadership is like it shouldn't be just you because other because sometimes, you know, overcoming something is helping you see a new perspective. But if it's you dealing with the same thing and then it bubbles up, it's like, come on. Really? You got to get some counseling, like, you know, or somebody else, someone outside of yourself to help you see things. Now, the next thing is it may be your friends. All right. And the thing is that, okay, I already crossed out just dealing with you, right? Like we, we already addressed that. If it's you who could take care of you, that's fine. All right. That's that's completely fine. But also if it's you just taking care of you and you you're like on medication, and other things, you may not be the best option. So your friends are next, right? Because those are the people, even if they're not certified, that you're gonna open with up the most and they may understand you the most, right? You know, and you're just going to hope that they're going to lead you in a path that's going to make a decision for your higher self. But it could be tricky with friends because sometimes they encourage toxic behavior. Like, yeah, F F that guy or F this person when it's really they need to hold you accountable. So just be careful about that. But that might be a counseling leader in some respect where you could vent to the same way you would with a therapist. The next one to consider in terms of counseling leadership is your parents. When your mental health needs to be recalibrated, sometimes you know, your parents may, you know, redirect you to a right source. So they may just uh, basically help you whatever way that you, they can and cater to you. All right. But, you know, your mental health needs recalibration. A parent might be able to identify when things are going wrong first when it's like, oh, this person's upset or doesn't feel isn't acting right because they seen you since a child they seen you grow up and they know when things are off all right so don't underestimate underestimate that and the next one now is a mentor now a mentor leader counseling leader may be someone who you're not doing counseling like i said but they're helping you talk through certain issues 
You may have anxiety from going to work because you feel like there's discrimination going on or you feel like, you know, you know, you're the only woman there and the way the men talk to you is taking a burden. But you're talking to a, a female um, a female mentor who's of a similar background, you know, racial background as you, a cultural background, and you guys relate. And they're helping you counsel you through that situation that you're in. So don't underestimate, underestimate, you know, mentors or even people you didn't call mentors, but deep down, you know that they are. Because they're the ones who may be able to guide you through things when the going gets tough. Because they're fearing their approach. And then finally, there's a counselor. Go to get mental health counseling. That's my recommendation. Go see a counselor. That helped me flush out a lot of problems and a lot of thoughts that I had. All right. A lot of people want to do these things on your own. But guys, there are people getting paid to do this and they know certain things that we don't know. And it can help the processing a lot easier. Maybe you experience a death in the family. Maybe you experience, you know, a lot of trauma that's unresolved. Maybe some abuse happened to you when you were younger. Maybe you're going through a stressful situation now. Maybe you're going through a terrible breakup. Go to counseling. Go to therapy. It helps. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Now, just one last message I want to say is be mindful who you choose with this category, right, of a counseling leader, because this, like the accountability leader, needs to be someone you truly trust and not just comfortable with. However, unlike accountability, this may require unique communication skills and an and an empathetic approach to your situation. All right. So it's different when it comes to your mental health need to be recalibrated because a lot of things just don't make sense. If you're suffering from serious anxiety or depression, sometimes your friends or parents or, you know, you, you know, even a mentor may not necessarily understand how to process that. They're just trying to get you calm. But a counselor, a therapist, they, they may be able to guide you, right, and be that complete leader that you need. All right? So just think about it. Who is your counseling leader that you have? And if you have to make adjustments, think about it. You need someone else to lead you in this department, make the switch, all right? So just a final note here, guys. This episode today is a reminder that we are all capable of becoming a great leader. But before we become a great leader, we must also learn what it is to be a great follower. Followers must learn to pick their leaders once they have a choice and know that their leaders are not always perfect and therefore don't always give perfect advice. However, for the most part, a leader can err on the side of caution mitigated risk and helps you to find out who you are at your core and grow into that person. Leaders impact many areas of our lives, so do not underestimate where you learn certain behaviors and beliefs because it leads us to make certain decisions which can impact us for the foreseeable future. Furthermore, understand that you will be a leader one day, all right, if you're not already. So practice what you preach, but more importantly, pay attention and choose wisely where you like to practice and make sure it aligns with a version of yourself that you want to be, all right? Guys, there's different leadership styles here, and and there's different types of leaders in your life. Counseling leader, like I said, relational leader in terms of romantic relationships, faith-based leader, a chill leader to help you relax, accountability leader, a cheerleader, and then a a parental leader. Think about all them and how it applies to your life and who are those individuals that, that provide that support? All right. And feel free to reach out to me and give me a, your feedback or your thoughts. But that said, thank you all for listening to today's episode. And please continue to stay strong in America.